0: Let's let's start recording. I'm starting the recording now. Just um... hi, Paul.
1: <laughs> Hello, Janina.
0: Come back here to the microphone now. Okay. Uh, when we started this podcast, we were both uh, coughing and spluttering a little bit, but we haven't caught the coronavirus yet. Uh, we don't yet. Think. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's no not uh, not fun times.
2: It's <laughs> not fun, fun times. times. Shall we Sorry. Shall we start again?
0: <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> is not going to be a good start of a podcast.
3: Hello, Fourth, Janina. Uh,
0: Paul, hi. We are now in the podcast room feeling quite isolated from all the coronavirus. We're self-isolating in the podcast studio. Coronavirus news we're, out there. We're,
2: we're, uh, we're, we're stocking up on a uh, on, on, um, uh, screen cleaner. <laughs>
0: Yes, we didn't have any uh, hand sanitizer uh, here Yeah, but, but in we the do podcast. have screen cleaners so yeah. so your so your,
2: so, so your screen is quite safe,
0: yeah, just so you know this podcast room is now screen cleaned, <laughs> and we'll be here for at
2: least the next fortnight.
0: <laughs> yes, we'll be camping in the podcast room, staying away from from all the nasty germs out there, talking um, about five g.
2: Yeah, and this this week we have a very special episode because we're uh, we're doing some remote working with uh, colleagues in different parts of the world.
0: Yeah, how modern and safe from virus spread, Paul?
2: Yeah, we we hope. Um, but before we get to there, are we going to talk a little bit about news? Yes, we've, we've got uh, we, we've got quite a lot to talk about on the on the interviews. But uh, there's some quite interesting things happening in the news as well. Yes, shall we start with the US? Yeah, yeah. Janina's second favourite topic: Uh, spectrum. They had spectrum auctions in
0: the US. Oh yes, Um, spectrum auctions. Yeah,
2: and uh, you you know what? You know how important spectrum is for five G. Yeah, so they've been uh, they've been licensing um, new spectrum in the millimeter wave. Selling off blocks of spectrum, not just in terms of what spectrum, but geographically where as well. Oh. Um, and they raised uh, seven point six billion US dollars. Uh, quite a lot of spectrum they they were, they were auctioning off there as well. So, mm-hmm.
0: so uh, more operators, more service providers, and uh, perhaps also other players going for more spectrum for more services.
2: Going more spectrum and more services, but I think importantly, the, the, the more spectrum they make available, then over time, the higher the speeds that will be available mm. to consumers.
0: Good news for, for the consumers in the US.
2: Um, yeah, it will take some time though, because you need to roll out the network, and then you need devices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Talking about spectrum,
2: I actually read this article about 3GPP.
0: (laughs) Paul is looking at me like, strangely, what are you doing? Yeah, so in my normal job, I also have to sometimes write very technical posts on social media about very technical things. So I read this Ericsson Technology Review article about what is coming up in 3GPP releases 16 and 17. <laughs> ah,
2: great! <laughs> yes. That means yeah. you, that you can tell me about that because I don't know. <laughs> That's well, not my list of things to to revise. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, so,
2: uh so, so, what did they say?
0: So, one of the things that I saw there in release seventeen was the, uh, supporting a new radio from fifty two point six gigahertz to seventy one. Gigahertz. Mm. So I suppose that then then the standards would be there at least to support higher spectrum, and you know that is then needed for the devices to be able to support it.
2: Yes, that will come. <laughs> that we know <laughs> that will come.
0: Yeah. Uh, so. So that any was. More so that news?
2: was the US. Yeah. There's uh, there's some uh, there's another couple of interesting pieces uh, in. Uh, in India, I saw that Geo has said that they're going to to do five G without using the equipment vendors,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and uh, they haven't actually quite explained what that means.
0: Without using the equipment vendors, well,
2: you know, without uh, without relying on on people to sell them equipment, so basically doing it themselves. Oh. Um, so I guess that means they're going to buy some hardware and some some uh, do some uh, software.
0: Mm-hmm. And I remember we talked about this that the the Japanese uh service provider uh, recruit them yes uh, they were doing something similar but not quite
2: yeah they 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 so far they've launched 40 services so mm-hmm. they so they've actually launched I think they've launched uh, their their 4G service. Yeah.
0: Because uh, Japan has Japan sorry. Japan hasn't gone live with 5G yet, I must uh, say, right? No, that's
2: my next piece of news. Oh. But uh but Rakuten are alive are are live with 4G and uh, they're offering uh, like loss leader subscriptions at the moment to to, to get people on board. Um uh but they they're targeting to be a kind of low low cost supplier there. Uh, but they actually have a much fuller uh, they have a kind of different business model in terms of how they maybe how they expect to make money out of it mm-hmm. um uh but yes, in Japan, softbank have announced that they're going to be the first Japanese operator to go live with five g on the twenty seventh of March
0: ah. already. Okay. okay, very
2: and, that's uh, just that's that's really pretty close uh and and uh, what they're talking about is like a premium service so you you would pay extra but again uh, to to get customer on board um that's that's going to be uh, uh i think they're talking about being uh, it being free for for two years uh, and then in two years' time, maybe we'll see how much extra you actually have to pay to, to have five G. Because in two years' time, I guess five G will be pretty uh, commonplace across the board. Mm. It will be much like four G. Once five G is there and established, then it will end up being quite hard to buy a four G subscription. Yeah, that's that's my prediction. Huh? <laughs> maybe if you're in Japan, you can uh, you, you can give us your view on that. Mm.
0: Yes. Uh, so you can write to 5G podcast at ericson.com if you want to sh- tell us what's happening in Japan.
2: What's happening in uh, Japan? And and I think did I miss saying that there's seven cities that uh, that are uh, launching 5G.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, in in Japan from in the start. Japan. Mm.
2: Yeah. So that's cool. Softbank. Softbank.
0: Mm. I must say also, uh, we have a lot of listener emails. But yeah, sorry, we will have to address them in the next episode. And also in the next episode, hopefully, we will uh, go back to spectrum sharing because we have a returning guest in our next episode, Paul. Exciting.
2: Hmm. Looking forward to that. One of
0: our favorites. Uh, But now we are going to talk about uh, network rollout, and network services to uh fill in the gap when it comes to we talked about antennas uh, like 5g antennas and what is happening there and we talked about 5g sites um in earlier episodes and now we're bridging the gap to also include what is happening happening with the the,
3: the services The making it happen part yeah
0: the network services with the operators what what Kind of new things can they uh, get to to maintain the sites going yes. forward?
2: Actually, I think they're all big kids because they. One of the things we're going to talk about is, is playing with drones. <laughs>
0: yes, I think that was quite uh, quite cool. Uh, but
2: uh, let's let's hear them. Yeah, let's, let's introduce go over.
0: Them. Today, we have uh, two guests. They are on opposite part of the world. Uh, We have Sören Marklund, our portfolio strategist for support services. And uh, he's with us from uh, Texas, US. Hi Sören, I should say. Uh, Hello. Hello. And then we have Andres Torres, who is originally from Colombia, but working in Melbourne, in Australia. And uh, you are Strategic Product Manager for Network Rollout Services there. Hi, Andres.
3: Hi, Janina. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, So much welcome to the podcast. Uh, And uh, sorry about this uh, time. (laughs) It's not that easy to have a phone call with both U.S., Sweden and 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 Australia Australia at the same time and make it in office hours. (laughs) That is impossible. So thank you for getting up or staying up late, guys. And now we have an interesting topic. We are going to talk about network rollouts and network services, of course, for 5G. And I thought we would start off in Australia. Andres, you are working there with the uh, with our Australian partners and Australia has just placed themselves on top, pole of this uh, Arthur D Little 5G leadership map because they've uh, come furthest. Just, just, or...
2: <laughs> just, and just. I think that, I, th- <laughs> I think uh, the survey by Arthur D Little came out uh, sometime last year, and we we missed reporting on it at the time but they mapped out the different countries around the world and placed them in terms of where they thought they, they were in terms of leading on 5G. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Australia was one of the ones which is right up there in the, in the leading segment.
0: Yeah, um, and they went uh, live uh, quite early. Was it May of last year? Uh, Telstra. Uh, and also... That is correct. That is correct. Thank you, Andres. And then uh, we have uh, Optus as well being live. Uh, are there any other uh, operators in Australia live on 5G,
3: Andres? Right, right now, those two are the ones that are live. Uh, but we are expecting the third one coming up live as well, I believe this week, actually. So soon we are going to have all the operators in Australia live with 5G.
2: Wow.
0: Wow. wow. And we can only dream about that in Sweden.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> October, October. Call October.
2: October. Okay. We'll keep our fingers
3: crossed.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, you are now uh, ahead in the 5G leadership. So, Andres... What are you working on now?
3: Yeah, so so quite exciting times and and I guess, um, of course, Australia has been a country that has always been at the the forefront of technology. So even though we are remotely located very far away from uh, the rest of the world, pretty much, and we are relatively a small country in terms of population, still so many exciting things happen here first and um, Ericsson has been in Australia for I think we're celebrating our 130th anniversary this year, so it's quite exciting wow. as well, mm-hmm. a milestone anniversary for Ericsson in Australia and uh, pretty much for all that time we have been partners with uh, or close partners with Telstra even before they were named or even before they had that name. Mm-hmm. So. It has been a partnership that has gone for decades. So, if we look back at the 2G times, the 3G times, the 4G times, we have done so many great things here with Telstra. And when you count the number of uh, world firsts or Australian firsts that have happened, uh, we have done pretty much all of them with Telstra in Australia. So, um, 5G was no exception, and then Telstra was the first mobile operator going live with 5G in the southern hemisphere, and that was just one more. Warfare's for Telstra and Ericsson to achieve here in Australia. So, so yes, as you said before, you know we came up live with the Telstra network uh, back in May 2019. So soon it's going to be one year. Um, I believe Telstra has now over 100,000 uh, subscribers on on 5G, and and it's uh, it's quite exciting times. Uh, Telstra is very excited about what is coming up for for end users, and we are very excited as well to see Telstra succeed. Uh, so right now the focus is on, on consumers, but then, of course, we're looking forward as well to see how we're going to use 5G to tackle enterprise and, and industry use cases in Australia as well. Yeah.
0: It's a, the, the, th- the thing is, though, it's a, it's a huge country. Uh, it must uh, put some pressure on the network rollout. How are, you, how are you starting off? Do you start off in the cities?
3: Yeah, yeah you're, you're spot on there because, of course, when 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 it comes to to coverage and deployment, of course, it's very hard to cover uh, or, or to to bring coverage to a country like Australia because it's pretty much a continent what we we're, we're talking about. So, when you think about smaller places like Singapore or or Hong Kong, you know, achieving hundred percent penetration is is not as challenging as it is in Australia. So, mm. so yeah, deployment is is an issue. Um, 5G as, as it is in, in most of the live networks all over the world has started in those hotspots where there is a lot of people concentration and when there is, where there is a lot of demand for capacity. So Tesla back in, in, in May 2019, we started with 10 cities. And today we are over 30 cities with 5G in Australia. So, um, so yeah, we started in the bigger capitals, and now we are moving into the smaller cities as well. And and, and the goal is to continue that fast-paced growth in Australia until we achieve coverage of most of the population. Mm. Of course, one thing is to cover the population, and another thing is to cover the geography. So <laughs> yeah. those two are different <laughs> challenges. <laughs> but uh, but we started with the population first.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: and
2: and and just a. Te- techie question there. Then, which which bands is yes, uh, being used? Yes, I was going to ask the same. Ah, I got there first. <laughs> uh, which, which bands are you rolling out in, in uh, Australia? Is it is it mid band or millimeter wave or
3: Low band. It, it is mid bands. It is mid bands. So so right now, for example, uh, yeah, of course that helps because basically we are deploying five G in those mid bands in the macro sites that Test already has. Um, having said that. Uh, this year we're going to have the millimeter wave auction in australia as well Mm -hmm. and then we expect to see deployments for 5g in in those in those higher bands as well coming up soon so of course as you know and as you have discussed previously in this in this podcast that brings extra challenges as well for deployment so it will be interesting to see how's that going to evolve but for the time being we're focusing on on the on the mid bands yeah
2: okay but but maybe that's good Segue into talking about the, what are the challenges for deploying five <laughs> yes. G and, 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 and sites.
0: Yeah, for the for for our customers, the the network service operators, what are what are they uh, struggling with when it comes to rolling out the sites?
3: Yes, so so I guess well, of course there are many different items to to look into and uh, and looking at, at the deployments that we have done globally. Of course, uh, when it comes to mid mid bands, there are different challenges. To what what you have when you look into high frequencies. But uh, for example, in the US, I know, and Soren will be able to tell us more about that as well. We, we, of course, we have small cells, high frequencies, we are using a lot of. Deployments in uh, in in street furniture, you know, like uh, I don't know, traffic lights or or, or lamp posts and the like. Uh, in Australia, right now, as I said before, because what we are doing is, is mid bands, so those lower frequencies allow us to have the 5G network being deployed in the macro side. So basically, we are reusing uh, the same size that we have for 4G. Mm-hmm. But then the 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 big, the big issue is, of course, in many cases you have. Towers that are already full of equipment. So you need to find the smarter ways to, to be able to, to sneak in and, and, and install the equipment, make a space for the equipment and make sure that the tower, for example, supports the extra load of the extra equipment and, and finding those, those locations as well might be challenging. So, so yeah, as you start deploying extra equipment and an extra number of sites, we need to find smarter ways as well to engineer those sites. And, and, that's what we have been trying to do, not only with Tesla here in Australia, but also globally. You know, how to, how do we become smarter in the way we deploy networks? How do we improve the services for deployment and network rollout? So we can ensure that the, the 5G deployment, the 5G rollout keeps going smoothly as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And just to set the scene here, I mean, we, when we're rolling out, uh, uh new equipment on the site, uh, Paul, I mean, you, <laughs> you you have to ha- have a lot of different considerations when just uh when when putting new equipment in so i mean you have to have someone going there knowing about the site what equipment is needed you need to pre-order it you need to you need to have someone
2: climbing and there's a you know, there's a lot of logistics involved in in rollout networks but i mean there's also a lot of planning involved before you can get to that stage in terms of where where can i put equipment and what coverage do i expect to get if i if i put mm. all of these things in place what coverage will i get and, and you know, is that good enough of course um and but yeah there... there's a, there's lots of things particularly on a new site there's yeah. a lot, there's everything from like where should it be to, to how do i get permission to to build it to um you know, i need power to the site i need uh, to bring in people who are going to build all the concrete bits and then maybe yeah. they're involved put up the towers run power um i need uh some kind of backhaul which we've talked about before i'm going to have a fiber backhaul or a uh, and that's even if I'm upgrading a site. You know, I need to consider th- those kinds of things. Do I need to upgrade my backhaul connections?
0: Yeah. Otherwise, the the site will not be if I, useful if if you don't have the backhaul, right? Mm-hmm.
2: It's it's a bit like when you're at home. If you have uh, if you upgrade your Wi-Fi router to a super snazzy gigabit per second Wi-Fi router, uh, and you've only got uh, you know a 20 megabit per second uh, broadband service, yeah, it's <laughs> not going to help very much. <laughs>
0: True. That puts it into perspective. Uh, um, so there's lots
2: of lots of aspects involved. Yeah, um, and
0: lots of planning. It's almost like a science of itself to to plan the.
2: I'm. I'm. I have to say, I'm always very, very, very impressed with the, the you know the project management that, that goes into these large projects where you're yeah. rolling out uh, tens of thousands of sites potentially. Well, not necessarily simultan- <coughs> simultaneously, but kind of uh, you know, as, a, as one major project with, yeah. with teams working in all different places that have to turn up with the right tools, the right equipment, the right in, you know, the things the right they've ordered time. in at yep. the right time. For sure. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, yeah. maybe our experts can tell us <laughs> more about that.
0: Exactly. And the, how, now, how do you
2: make it work? Yes.
0: <laughs> Should we start off there? Soren, how do you make this work?
1: Yeah, so 5G is, of course, an exciting journey for all of us, right? And um, once you have all this exciting uh, distributed network like we're talking about in Australia and so on, I mean, when you have that deployed and now you're ready to take it into service, what happens next, right? How do you really keep this network up and running? Once you have it installed, um, how do you really leverage the assets that you have deployed? Mm -hmm. How, How do you most effectively do that? So there's a whole... The whole complexity around how do you manage operation in effective ways thereafter, right? And, and as we're talking about, there is many, many more sites, uh, many more t- uh, different uh, technologies, uh, different spectrums. Um, Different vendors, the, the, the complexity of the network that we're also seeing as a part of the 5G rollout is also increasing. Uh, and This, of course, is a challenge for the operations team now once the network is, is deployed. And this this is where, where network services come in play. Um, we are on a daily basis working very closely with our operators all around the world to make sure that they are effectively addressing the usage of, of their products that they have deployed in the network. Uh-huh. And, um, and naturally, that um, a lo- large part of that is uh, collaborations uh, between people. But as we we all know, uh, there is a whole new journey around dealing with, with operations in that side too. That we want to take advantage of uh, the well, the latest and greatest in new technologies like AI and so on.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a, is this a big part of of network services to utilize things like uh, artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning and those kinds of things.
1: Yeah, because what we realize or what we, we all realize in an operations perspective now is that uh, with these technologies being deployed, uh, there is an almost an overload of the information and data coming out from these, this network. Uh, so it's not an easy thing uh, to really then understand what you do with all this data. How do you really, uh, you know, take the, the most useful and, and driving insights out of this data in a timely fashion so that yeah. you, you can uh, drive efficiency in operations? And then naturally, AI comes to mind, right? Because it's one way to dealing with large, large volumes of data and, and in dealing with complexities around it, right?
0: When it comes to, to rolling out networks, how are these uh, technologies,
1: Used there, so so similar as well
3: uh, as cities in customer support. So we we have to deal with complexities, Janina. So for example, as we were saying before, you know, in 5G you have so many different frequencies that you, uh, which implies so many different types of equipment. So you are having a, lo- a combination of so, so many things in so many sites, and you have a, a, a bigger number of sites as well. So we need to find a way to to tackle those complexities and make the complex simpler for our customers so so that's why we have to to tackle as well technologies like machine learning and artificial intelligence to be able to to simplify everything and make the rollout of of 5g networks faster and efficient and that's what we have done with um with a service that we call intelligent intelligence engineering so basically side engineering is a service that we have been traditionally provided to our customers basically as we were discussing before you know like when you roll out a network there are so many steps that are there in between. First, you need to plan for the network, decide where the sites are going to be, what frequencies are you going to use. Then you go. You need to go and look for those sites, what are the locations where you want to have those sites. Then you need to survey those sites and decide where are you going to place the equipment. Then you install the equipment, then you integrate the equipment, then you put it up up to work. So all those stages have their own complexities, but then in the site engineering, stage, we have introduced quite a few interesting technological advancements that we are seeing are being, being very useful in making these uh, complexities uh, disappear in a way and, and making the complex more simpler. And that's why we... We have been trialing with several customers all over the world, and right now we have trial sites in in Europe, in North America, pretty much in every continent with this methodology, and and we see that this is really assisting the customers in, in the process.
0: Okay, and uh, I think we I saw a video about uh, with, with using drones to exactly. to plan uh, sites. Is that something that you're yeah. working with?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So so it's really cool because yeah. We use drones and the yeah, drones are cool in their own right so everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. loves drones <laughs> and then uh, the, the, the most interesting bit was that, um i mean today we can definitely use them uh, even more than before you know like uh many years ago drones were more expensive now you can buy a drone pretty much in every toy shop um and the thing is when you look at 5G sites, of course, uh, it is more sites. It is more places that you have to survey. If you talk about, uh, or if we look into the site engineering stage, you have to send technicians and engineers to all these sites yeah. to do and I surveys. Can see,
0: I can see that. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it, uh, it might be very effective to, to be able to use a drone instead of having someone climb up a tower to check if that cable is loose, right?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Because climbing a tower is a is a is a hard task, and you need experts to do that. Uh, you have occupational health and safety considerations to take into account, and you have to take an. Uh, pay attention as well to the weather for example there are so many external factors like you cannot climb a tower if it's raining or if it's snowing or if it's dark or if it's windy so there are so many extra complications. Yeah Yeah, exactly right. Um, I was just watching a video from CBS the other day where they were saying look all this 5G deployment is going on but then the challenge is to find tower climbers you know because there are not as many as we need Um, so that that in itself is a challenge and then what we have come up with is that um, we found that we can use drones that can fly around the tower. Uh, So basically, instead of sending a team of climbers to a site, uh, you send a technician or a a flight um, expert, a drone expert with a drone, Uh, the drone flies around the tower, and it takes photos from all the tower, all around the tower. Uh, the The whole journey or the whole photographing stage takes like 30 minutes. So after 30 minutes, you have all the photographs taken around the tower, And with those photos, then we can build a digital twin or a 3D model in a software application from the tower. Mm. So instead of having somebody going up the tower, then in 30 minutes you already have that digital twin where you can do so many engineering decisions that before required to have somebody actually up in the tower. Mm. So that's what we find really exciting. Of course, if you have to install a radio, if you have to install an antenna, if you have to swap some cables, still you need to go there. But for the site survey, for determining where the antennas are going to be or how long the cables need to be, now we can do everything remotely from a desktop application.
0: Ah, and that perhaps uh, leads us back to Sören, because all of those things will be then at the knock.
2: Paul, what is a NOC? Well, the <laughs> network network <laughs> operations centre. Yeah, NOCs are really interesting places to be. So that is, what, yeah. that's where all of the data comes back from all of the base stations, so that you can keep uh, monitor what's happening in the network and and see when things well traditionally see when things have uh, things have gone awry, when things are not working properly. But more and more. We're actually working to see and identify problems before they happen.
0: Ooh, yeah, that and, uh, sounds like a smart to, thing.
2: And, and just talking about specifically about sites, uh, you know, I know one of the issues that uh, that you see quite often is we talk about tower, tower climbing and how they you know tower climbing is a dangerous occupation you actually want to minimize tower climbs mm-hmm. but it's not uncommon that uh, you find a problem in a network you send someone out to the tower they they swap out a piece of equipment bring the equipment down take it for test and it's no fault found yeah. so no you know, you basically wasted someone's time to go and swap something that wasn't actually the source of the problem ah. so you know getting it right first time is is important and uh, being able to to identify Mm -hmm. clearly when do I need to climb a tower, when do I don't, when do I not. That's both an economic benefit for the operator, but it's also a benefit for the guys that have to do that, which is essentially a dangerous job. Yeah, for sure. Theron.
1: yeah you're you're right Paul I mean the it is a lot that we can do remotely uh, both from deploying our network services activities and supporting our customers in this uh, explorative uh, setup of what when do you go when do you dispatch to site and and what can you do remotely I mean, leveraging all the data that comes out from the network uh, and, and doing uh, AI-driven power, AI-powered driven ai analysis around that, there is a lot you can do to both preemptively address issues, uh, but also to determine when do you really need to dispatch somebody to a site? Because it is very costly, it's time-consuming, and often it's not uh, the problem that is being addressed that is the real problem. So to I me, mean, this, this is also the background why we, we just recently launched a couple of new offers that, uh, are AI powered from, from this network services perspective. Because what, what we have realized in this journey for our customers to, to take, it's, um, it's not as easy as it may, may feel and think that you uh, just take this uh, cool AI technology and you begin to deploy it, right? There's a lot to it in, in really realizing the value out of this. And a big part of it is uh, understanding the products, having very deep product-near uh, know-how to, to really in, embed that into these offerings and and AI-driven capabilities. So it's really a very close close collaboration with our customers where we uh, bring the the knowledge that we have in in the support organization to to the customers and we work together on how do you implement the most effective uh, way of addressing AI to do all these things that that really uh, remotely or automate or really reduce the effort to go into site.
0: Can you briefly just describe Ericsson's role in this? Because it's not quite clear, I think, for people out there who think that they are, yeah, they are, they are, uh, well, they have a service from a a service provider or an operator out there, and they are uh, looking at them to keep the services going. And if something happens, it's it's uh, sort of like their um with customer support that gets uh no, you ring you re- ring AT&T, oh, yeah. A-
2: AT&T <laughs> or Telia or China Mobile or yeah. MTN or whoever your service provider yeah. is that's the person you ring when it's not working
0: Exactly so what is what is Ericsson uh, supporting here <laughs>
1: Yeah, so so this is the journey that we're taking with our customers to really uh, moving towards a much transform the way you're working together. In in the in the past, if you look back many years back, uh, and, and to some extent even still, uh, many of these ways of working, the traditional way would be that the knock is trying to solve the problem, mm-hmm. and when they, they uh, realize that they cannot solve it, then they would escalate it and open a ticket, as we call it, and to to uh, Ericsson and and the end, of other vendors that they have in the network. And then uh, the vendors would get involved and and begin to reactively address these uh, problems that are in the network. Nowadays, this is totally transforming towards a much more collaborative setup, right? So so we are working hand-in-hand with our operators to really look at the data uh, that comes out of the networks on a continuous basis. So when the NOC realizes, uh, one, that, that they have an issue we, we can understand the problem and, and be with them to, to address the problem in a much, much faster way than we otherwise could. But more importantly, we in fact can uncover and see things uh, looking at this data uh, that might otherwise be unknowns to the operators. We are looking for these anomalies in the network to really enable the customers to um, have what we call uh, an always-on network. And this is yeah. very very important especially as we move to 5g uh, it's all about continuous connectivity and the networks can never go down so mm, we are transforming we are transforming the way we work with our operators because we have technologies like ai mm. uh,
2: and just to clarify that ne- network operation centers uh they're they're usually or, or quite often it's the it's your operator your csp or the service provider that that runs the network operations centre, and then they contract with their, the people that supply them to to provide support for the the network. Uh, but there are actually different models, so so it's not uncommon that that's actually a managed service. So a company like Ericsson ah. can actually run right. the operations centre as well. So so the whole of right. the support is a service that that uh, they buy. F- from us to to run and maintain the network
0: mm, and then we sort of have to use our own tools <laughs> when uh, it comes and, then, to network and then we need
2: to be experts in in uh, in everything that's happening not not just in Ericsson equipment of course all of the uh, they may buy optical routers and uh, optical uh, routers and optical equipment from one company and microwave equipment from another company and uh, radios from uh, equipment from from a vendor like Ericsson maybe the core equipment comes from someone else uh so you know, and all of those or maybe even multiple suppliers for in different parts of the network um so uh, you know it, it's not it's not being expert on just what happens inside my box. you actually need to understand how the you know the all aspects of the network across the supply yeah, base.
1: And- and that 's a very good point,, right? because most of the issues that these these deal with on a daily basis are not product issues it's really about network right so it is all of the uh, configurations and behaviors and traffic models and optimizing the way things work to really keep this uptime right so so it 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 has a lot to do with uh, how do you really inject the society know how that we have in network services to support our customers on that that uh, set of ways of working right so so yeah it's a lot of uh, issues and not have to deal with on a daily basis um, definitely and
2: mm. mm. if you think of if if you think about you know a network there are tens of thousands of sites maybe tens of millions of 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 customers doing billions of of uh you know google searches and downloads and uh, telephone calls and SMSs and messages every day you know there are the, all of that you know to to keep the network running you need to know for each of those services well, what's the service quality i'm delivering yeah. everywhere in the network and where is that service giving having problems and then you need to translate the problem in the service down to what's actually happening is it a physical problem with a connector or is it something in the software Of, of and if it's a software problem whose problem which which piece of equipment is it that's giving the problem
0: yeah for sure and as Sören said I mean with 5g the the complexities when it comes to stuff like network slicing or different uh, uses of the network industrial uses and stuff like that that becomes more relevant so I guess, network services yeah. is uh, on the rise.
1: Hmm.
0: Uh, going yeah. back, yeah,
1: sorry. If, if I may add uh, one, one aspect of that, you're, you're correct, right, that, that this is a complexity that the NOx have to deal with on a daily basis. And, and naturally, all products, they, they identify quite well when they yeah. have an anomaly and a failure or whatever, right? But but would you know that, I mean, that you look at an operator, I mean, they are dealing with millions of alarms on a daily basis. Oh, I mean, there are so many data points coming out of of good information from the products, right? Saying, uh, alerting the networks to say, here is my latest status, here is my behavior, here is my indications of performance and what have you, right? But this this is, is so much data that, great data, of course, right? But it becomes noise un- unless you do something really, really good with it.
0: Mm, of course.
1: Mm, and I think that's the... The,
2: the The interesting part when you when you talk about automation and and AI is one of the technologies you, you can use for that that often you talk about like two different areas where you want to automate one is one is repetitive, boring stuff which it's not efficient to have a person do uh, and that's the kind of simple automation that rules based automation is quite good at. Uh, but but then you get into the making sense of complexity. People can work with a certain level of complexity once the amount of data gets very large and the the, the intricacies of what's the information that's contained in it is, is hard to spot. That's when applying computerization, artificial intelligence, and, and being able to work with that data as a data set instead of having a person try and analyze it. That's, that's where you get uh, advantage. Yeah, correct, correct.
0: Yeah, so... Back to uh, Australia then, Uh, Andres, uh, how are you working then with network services or do you have any insights on the network services when it comes to network, rolling out 5G networks?
3: Yeah well right now the, the the rollout of course is going strongly with 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 test as I said um we we are in the mid bands deploying over 30 cities uh also as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast then uh, we also have our customer optus which is part of the Cinte group deploying 5G the interesting thing here is that um first of all they are deploying different frequency bands. And second, they are using 5G for fixed wireless access. So basically in Australia, we're having the, the two very different flavors of 5G happening. We have on the test side, we have 5G for enhanced mobile broadband. So mobile users. And on the Optus side, we have, we have 5G for fixed wireless access. So for fixed users. So two very interesting use cases and two different, of course, ways of deployment and in the end, of course, what we expect to see is as well to implement intelligence engineering here as well. So what we have been doing all over the world, and uh, uh, you, might, you might be able to find a video on ericsson.com. That we did with TDC Net in Denmark, where we describe exactly what the intelligence and engineering service is about. Um, so 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 that methodology we expect to see it translated in, in so many different countries in the world as well. So with this, we are going to be able to be more accurate because once you have a digital twin, if you need to calculate um, the cable uh, distance or the cable length between the antenna and the equipment, then you can do that now from your desktop with a digital application that is going to allow you to calculate exactly how much material you need without waste. Um, it is safer because then, as, as we said before, you don't need to climb the towers anymore. Uh, so, so just by, just with that, I mean, it's already safer for, for technicians and engineers. And it's also more sustainable as well, because then, uh, in countries, particularly like in Australia, you know, with very long distances, like if you have to go to a base station just to find out whether there is a space in a cabinet or whether there is a space in the, in the antenna or in the tower, um, then instead of doing that, you can do it from your desktop in the city or wherever you are, and identify those things remotely, then it is a more sustainable solution. So you don't have to spend truckloads or drive hundreds of kilometers to get there. You just go with a click, and you find exactly how the antenna or how the tower looks like. You identify whether there is room for more equipment. You can go to the equipment room, and in the digital twin model, you can see whether we have enough um Power breakers where we have enough air conditioning. For example, you can see everything now remotely, and by saving those trips, then we are also helping the environment. So that's also very relevant for countries like Australia.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're looking forward to these uh, new services, and we'll link to this uh, the the case that was done with TDC uh, Net Denmark uh, in the show notes. Um, and just to clarify the digital twin that you're talking about is basically like a 3d model right of uh, of the tower site uh, where you can like basically zoom around it but on your computer instead of reality
2: i suspect technically exactly right <laughs> i suspect technically it's probably got more than 3 dimensions <laughs>
3: <Probably>. <laughs> no, it's really cool because then you have all the photos that you took with the drone flying around the tower and you have all the photos taken on the ground as well with some other cameras uh, from the equipment room and the access routes and the cable trays and all that is built into this digital model in the application. So then you can see it on your desktop and then you can see everything, how it works, how it's connected and then you can make calculations and make engineering decisions remotely from the comfort of your seat. So that's quite exciting.
0: Yeah, looking forward to that I can, uh, I assume. So, uh, just one more thing that we might mention was that I saw that Telstra was actually uh, announcing that they were uh, doubling the range size, (laughs) the range size of their uh, radio towers, basically doubling from uh, the 3GPP standard. Andres, would you like to talk a little bit about that? I'm guessing you are uh, more into that than I am.
3: Oh yeah well, I mean and that's that's absolutely right, you know, like uh it's it's a good point, like we test um uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know we are doing so many warfares and so many exciting things uh, that are happening here first, um, and that that extended range is something really exciting as well, like um last year, for example, we announced that we extended the the range for the narrowband i o t applications so mm. Yes. When, we, when you look at the 4G standard, for example, there are different flavors of 4G that allow you to connect Internet of Things devices. And traditionally, I, I believe the standard says the distance should be like 40 k's or something like that. Of course, in Australia, 40 k's is not long enough. You know, it's not far enough because we have very long distances here. Yeah. So Ericsson, together with with Telstra, we managed to to actually reach up to 100 kilometers for those devices, and that happened I believe last year, and that was a a world record. But Mm -hmm. this year now we announced extended range as well, not only for the Internet of Things connections, but also for the standard vanilla flavor 4G. So in certain stations we will be able to have additional coverage for those base stations. And then that's going to be very useful as well because for people with 4G devices, 4G phones, they will find themselves having better coverage in Australia as well thanks to these innovations. So, so yeah, a lot of exciting things happening here out of the TELESTRIRICS and partnerships. So, one more world fairs that happen there and, and, and I'm pretty sure more will be coming.
0: Yeah, and the the amazing part was that it was done with a software upgrade. Absolutely. <laughs> 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 <Bon. laughs> yeah, pretty pretty exciting news and a really really good partnership. Uh, then uh, down under, so anything else we should add, Sören?
1: Well, I mean, maybe to 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 summarize a little bit what what we're trying to do from a network service perspective with our operators, I mean, we are really, uh, in, in the past, it used to be that technology was uh, simply supporting and supplementing people. Uh, now we're moving towards a much more high-powered setup where technology is leading some of the activities, but at the same time... Uh, Technology is really about people, too. It is really people that make technology the difference. It's really about technology enhanced by people. And this is what we are really trying to take to heart from a network service perspective. How do we help our customers really enhance the technology that they uh, deploy and and adapt, all the way from the technology itself to to different AI-powered services that they can complement their operations with?
0: An excellent uh, final statement, I would say. Thank you so much, Andres and Sören, for joining our podcast, talking about uh, network rollout uh, and network services for 5G. And thank you, everyone, for listening this time. And bye.
1: Bye. Thank you. Thank you.